What's up, you guys? The Sauce Lab Podcast is back with week four of NFL action, with part two of the NBA breakouts list, and with just a whole bunch of fun incoming, baby. I'm so excited to get right into it. This weekend was another, I'd actually say good week. Nothing too spectacular. Honestly, in my opinion, the Brady return to New England could have been a little bit better. It was very low scoring in comparison to what I had predicted. But overall, the games of the week were great. The NBA season is starting soon. I, I'm so excited to get right into it. So I think I'm going to do just so and give you my week four recap like every single week. And then I'm going to get into the NBA segment in the second half of the podcast. Be sure to give it a listen. And here we go. Week four just concluded. Week five starts on Thursday. The week four rundown. Best game of the week, in my opinion. This one wasn't too far ahead of the others. It was very close, but I think the Washington football team versus the Atlanta Falcons was the best game of the week just because of how close it was and because of Terry McLaurin's incredible ability to make that catch. Taylor Heineke, the fantastic story. You guys know he was on my breakout list. I've been so high on Taylor Heineke and just what he's able to do with those receivers, Curtis Samuel being back, so many things like that. They really did not get it done against a team that should have that they should have whopped by 20. But the fact that it came down so close, and we all know the Falcons are just going to Falcon every single time. It really seems like every single time that they have a lead, they just somehow find a way to blow it. It was a lock of the week for me that I thought the football team would handedly beat the Falcons. Sadly, they did not. But ultimately, an incredibly exciting game came down to the final seconds. I thought it was ultimately, after J.D. McKissick threw out his hand, it was like to reach in for the pylon for the end zone. That was the touchdown that I'm like, no, that they should just be there and kick the field goal. And then Scary Terry ended up having that catch. Just so much craziness going on towards the end of that game. Taylor Heineke looked really, really great, in my opinion. And I'm very excited for what the football team does for the rest of the season, for sure. Offensive player of the week, I've got Tyreek Hill of the Kansas City Chiefs. Though he's been incredibly inconsistent this season, I would have to really give him the title of number one wide receiver in the NFL at this current point. What he's able to do and how he separates himself from the other receivers with that speed and ability to create separation between him and the cornerback because of his speed is so incredibly lethal, especially with Patrick Mahomes' arm, resulted in three touchdowns and an unreal amount of yards. He, though he's inconsistent, I still think that this guy is the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. Had a week that if you had him on your fantasy team, you almost definitely won. Actually, a kid in my home league had him and just barely lost by one. Sadly enough, I just saw that this morning, which is hilarious. But Tyreek Hill has to be offensive player of the week. He lit it up. And defensive player of the week, a guy that is quickly shooting up my cornerback rankings so, so fast, along with another rookie from last year. But he was a rookie last year, showed signs of an incoming breakout this year, but really has hit his stride and done even better than I predicted. And that's Trayvon Diggs of the Dallas Cowboys. This man is locked down. His ball skills are incredible. His knack for getting to the ball and getting interceptions is unreal off the charts. I think he has a pick maybe in every single game. I think it's an unreal number for sure. Dallas Cowboys currently lead the NFL in interceptions and turnovers, just almost basically because of him. His ball skills are incredible, and it looks like even against ones, as the cornerback one on this team, he's doing so great. I am pleased to say that Trayvon Diggs is the defensive player of the week, 
and could already be talked about in the top 12, top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL, which is a hot take, but he's looking like it. Biggest fantasy player of the week that is incrementally how they usually do in fantasy compared to how they did this week, and that's Cordero Patterson. I really have to put some respect on this guy's name, a guy that I thought was not going to be beneficial whatsoever in the Falcons' offense, a guy that was very highly touted early on in his career because of his high draft pick, never really panned out as a receiver and was basically only a returner, was a great returner, but then just lost his stride, was on too many different teams, and I'm like, okay, this dude's going to be nothing. Yet what he was able to do, both at the running back position and lining up in the slot, was monstrous against what I thought was going to be the number one defense in the NFL. Clearly, they are showing that they're, as of right now, the Washington football team defense is not even top 10. But Cordero Patterson really just lit up the box score. He played a fantastic game, and I'm pleased to say that as of right now, he's a top 10 running back in fantasy. I think that talent-wise, he's got to be top 18 running back in the NFL just because of how easy it is to shuffle in other guys. I think that Talent-wise, he's really there. He's been very consistent throughout the entire season and has been a great option. And yeah, biggest injury of the week. I've got two, and that's David Montgomery and Teddy Bridgewater. David Montgomery, just because he's literally the last piece there that's working so well in a machine that is the Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson's been taking steps back. Their offensive line looks top three worst in the league. Darno Mooney is actually looking a lot better now that Justin Fields is starting, but I think that so much of Justin Fields's positivity and how he's going to get better is by allowing David Montgomery to get 20 touches a game. So if that injury is serious and he's out for a extended period of time, then that's going to really hurt the Chicago Bears chances of even having playoff hopes, let alone going above five wins. And then for Teddy Bridgewater, went down and Drew Locke just did not look good in that second half of the Baltimore Ravens-Denver Broncos game. And if that injury lingers, then a team that started 3-0 could now be looking to go less than 500, miss the playoffs and different things like that, and it'll really be on the quarterback. So I think that those two injuries are really going to highly affect their offenses, and it's going to hurt the teams involved immensely. Team I'm starting to buy is the Dallas Cowboys arguably, okay, so we were talking about this, me and my friends last night, which offenses, in your opinion, are better than the Dallas Cowboys right now? And I'd probably say the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bucks are the only ones that top it, and that's not even by much. I think the, the Cowboys have honestly shown more consistency than the other three. I just think that the upside of the other three are a little bit higher, and especially when it comes down to playoff time. But the Cowboys' offense has still been elite, elite. Zeke last this weekend did incredibly uh, C.D. Lamb kind of had a dud, but their two receivers in C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper just always seem like one of them is getting the things necessary done. Blake Jarwin's breaking out. Uh, Dak Prescott obviously is looking fantastic. Oh, Dalton Schultz. Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, both. I want to give respect to him as well. Dak Prescott looks incredible. The offensive line looks really good. And then also on the defense, two incredibly young guys in Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons are both making serious, serious impact on that team. And I would go as far as to say that they're two guys that can look like all pros for the rest of their career and really be standout guys. So if you have the progression of that offense and how great that offense is with two guys that could look like all pros who are so, so young and so 
before their prime, then I think that they're only going to shoot up from here. The Cowboys are on a fantastic trajectory. As soon as they get off that Z contract in the future, I think that they're going to really have more money to rebuild the defense, continue to tool and work on that offense, and they are destined that within the next five years, I think they're at least making the conference championship at some point. They have too much firepower to not team I'm starting to sell is the Pittsburgh Steelers. It really has to be. Last week in the headlines, I did what to make of their offense, and what I'm really making of it now is that Big Ben is likely a top three worst quarterback in the NFL, and when you have that in currently in place, especially with no plan afterwards, I really don't think that you can go into next season with Dwayne Haskins. I think that it's going to be just a toss-up on who the quarterback is going to be, or they're in a sweepstakes for somebody else, but I think that the Steelers are in some serious trouble right now. Their receiving core seems to always be somebody's injured of the three. Uh, Deontay Johnson came back with a very good game. Najee Harris obviously looks very good. But their offense looks definitely held back by Ben Roethlisberger, and their defense has a couple holes that are making them really fall back and could definitely miss the playoffs this year. Random new hot take that I'd like to spit is that Sam Darnold, a guy that I was so high on this coming season, as you guys know, I think currently he is a top 15 quarterback in the league right now. The players that I would definitively take above him just when comparing him to other quarterbacks, I would take Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and likely Justin Herbert, but I think that that one's even a topic of discussion. I think at this current point, you could put Sam Darnold above Ryan Tannehill based on how they produce this season. I think you could put him above Joe Burrow based on how they produce this season. I think even though his production has been there, I think that the upside of Sam Darnold and his rushing ability and all that is better than Kirk Cousins right now. I think it's better than Derek Carr right now. That is my personal opinion. It's what he's able to do in that offense. He seems like he will likely get that contract extension with his ability to run for touchdowns like he's Lamar Jackson, yet also having the ability to score 300 yards, two passing touchdowns in the game. He does have a couple picks that he does need to clean up, but overall he looks very poised. And when Christian McCaffrey comes back, I think that that'll be a fact, not just a hot take that Sam Darnold is a top 15 quarterback. I think that he right now could be honestly argued to be top 12, top 13, top 14. And I don't think that that's so hot of a take with him being on the Carolina Panthers. Now I'm going to do my storylines of the week. These are the five top headlines. Uh, number one, Joe Burrow has full reign of the Bengals. I know that I just said Sam Darnold's better, but I really think that Joe Burrow and this Bengals team is headed in the complete correct direction. At 3-1 and one right now, they look like a team that is rolling, a team to beat. I know that they only beat Jacksonville on Thursday Night Football, but it was a fantastic game. He looked like he was slinging it out there, and even though a lot of that final drive came on a C.J. Uzama screen, he did lead them down to a game-winning field goal. He is so young, and it really looks like that injury did not affect him that much whatsoever. Joe Mixon seems to be taking a lot of the pressure off of him by getting a lot of rushes per game. And all three of his receivers, I mean, when T. Higgins is back, T. Higgins is obviously out this last week and I think out the week before, but... When all three come back, they're shooting on all cylinders. Their O-line looks like they're taking big steps in the right direction. And really, also, their defense looks like they're doing fantastic. Logan Wilson, their middle linebacker, has been looking fantastic. Jesse Bates and Von Bell, the safeties, have both been looking really, really good. Uh, everything just around the team has been taking huge steps forward. Oh, uh, 
Larry Ogunjobi, the defensive tackle, he's also been racking up many pressures in the inside, getting a lot of sacks, and I just think that that defense as a whole has been taking really good steps as well. So if Joe Burrow continues to show what he's been doing and the defense continues to be at least solid and still taking steps forward because they're so young, I think the Bengals are in a really good position to either make the playoffs this year or make the playoffs next year and actually make some real noise. So I'm very excited for that. Number two, both New York teams take home a W. I was very excited about this one, personally, as a Jets fan, that the Jets came out against the Tennessee Titans. They were missing both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, so it kind of puts it out of caveat, but the team overall looked really, really great, and... For the other side of New York, the New York Giants, who came out with a win also in overtime against the New Orleans Saints, it's exactly what I said going into the year, what Daniel Jones should be doing to really get the most out of his players and his team, and that's spreading the ball around. It looked like Kadarius Toney was getting his first real catches and real plays that allow him to just be that human joystick that I know that he is. Kenny Galladay was racking up receptions. John Ross had an amazing deep ball, that, and he also had another couple receptions. Just the whole team looked to be firing on all cylinders, and that was exactly what I needed to see out of the Giants' offense. Daniel Jones had 400 passing yards, making him look like, originally two weeks ago, I said that he was probably the worst quarterback in the NFL, now asserting himself into, I'd say, maybe the very late top 20s, maybe, maybe uh, like 24 to 20, I could argue, which is, might people might say, oh, that's not as good as what he should be doing, but it's a lot better than how I felt literally only two weeks ago. They look to be a lot better of a team, and for the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, I think that that is exactly what you're going to get with him. This is what I thought throughout the entire season. He's going to be that gunslinger who just keeps throwing it long. You will have the games like week two where he has four picks and looks disgusting, but then you will also have the games like last week where he's making these miraculous off-balance throws, and personally, as a Jets fan, it just makes me at least confident that with the building blocks in place with Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams, Zach Wilson, and if you want to throw Michael Carter in there too, you can, that that's a good foundation for a team that ends up blossoming into something really good. I agree that this year they're not there, and I personally don't think that the New York Giants are there either, but both have really good infrastructure that I think that they could really build off of what they currently have, and in a couple years' time, both could be looking like a very good good team just based on what I saw this week Uh, number three Debo Samuel is here to stay Uh, the first two weeks I had really thought that this is a fluke and he was just looking good and Brandon Ayuk will eventually get back up to his level but what really seems to be the case is that it is officially Debo Samuel's season he is officially having a breakout season and he is officially looking like a top 15 receiver in the NFL right now Currently in fantasy points, I think he sits top five in PPR scoring. He's been racking up receptions. And the thing that I feel most confident in is that now that it's Trey Lance time and Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be down with an injury, Jimmy Garoppolo looks to love him. Like, just based on what I saw in that game, it looks like Debo is by far his favorite target. George Kittle's taking a couple steps down. Brandon Ayuk's taking a couple steps down. And that's leaving Debo Samuel to really be the main commander of targets in this offense. I could see him averaging 8, 9, 10 receptions on the season based on this current trajectory and I'm really excited for what he's able to do I think that with that 49ers scheme like I've said I love the pre-action the pre-play snap motion I love the 
wide receiver screens, all this type of stuff that's really going to help him benefit his game so, so, so much. And I could see him really breaking out to be an incredible wide receiver in this league for sure, especially after this year, especially after these top four games. Number four, thank God Brady did not pass the torch. That's coming from a Jets fan. I really think that though I, I have a roommate who is actually a Patriots fan, and he's a firm believer that Mac Jones played better than Tom Brady, but the fact that Brady was able to keep himself with that W and probably maintain the same storyline that's already been written after last year's Super Bowl, that Bill Belichick is amazing, but it was really Brady that is the GOAT, and Brady's going to continue to do it. The fact that they were able to come out with that win and Nick Folk missed the game-winning field goal. I think that if he had missed that field goal, ESPN, SportsCenter, all these different sports accounts would be pushing the idea, oh, Brady is passing the torch, Mac Jones is the new Tom Brady. And personally, as a Jets fan, another 10 to 15 years of me crying because the Patriots are the best team in my division. I just don't really want that. Not to say that just because Nick Folk missed a field goal, Mac Jones won't be good or the other way around, but I really did not need to hear that storyline now, especially coming after the Jets' big W for the first time this season. I think that Mac Jones looked great. And honestly, at this current point in the season, he looks like the best rookie quarterback for sure. Especially, I mean, that system's definitely helping him a ton, but both defense looked really stout. But thank God Brady did not, quote-unquote, pass the torch to Mac, making him the new Tom Brady. And the number five storyline of the week is have the Cardinals officially just became the best team in the NFL. Last week, I said the LA Rams are the best team in the NFL, and this week, Cardinals handed them a big L. I don't know what else to say, but they probably are. I mean, I've been really contemplating this because when I think it comes down to it, Cardinals versus Tampa, Tampa will probably come out on top. Cardinals versus Chiefs, Chiefs will probably come out on top. I think, honestly, if it was the playoffs, it was a, if it was a replay and it was Cardinals versus Rams with all of that stature on the line, I would still probably pick the Rams just because they're a more complete roster. They have more superstars on defense and offense, and that's just personally how I view it. But how am I supposed to say that after the Cardinals just came out with a W? So I think that at this current moment, at this very moment in time, the Cardinals are the number one team in the NFL. Kyler Murray still looks to be on his MVP campaign. All of their receivers look incredible. I really thought that it would be like a one or two receiver show, but there's one week where it's Christian Kirk, and this week it was A.J. Green, and there have been weeks where it's Rondell Moore, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins will still get those receptions, and all that stuff, so their offense looks to be clicking on all cylinders. Byron Murphy is having the breakout that I had said was probably coming. I was so excited for him to be so good this year, and he's really looking like a number one. Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons, obviously their ferocious pass watcher, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, just so much good around that team. And I, I said this week one in the podcast when I said Kyler Murray MVP campaign has started, that this is the type of thing that happens in the NFL. This is just how the NFL's written. It's very storyline driven. And when a young player like that, who has so much flashiness and love from the fans, starts to do good, I feel like he just rides off of that and they have a newfound confidence in them for the rest of the year. Three years ago, it was Patrick Mahomes. Then it was Lamar Jackson. Last year, it was Josh Allen. And now it seems to be Kyler Murray season. And this is the same thing that he's going to 
a ride off of regardless of whether he wins the MVP or not I think that he will 100% be top three top four in the voting for it just I, I could definitely see a way that Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes just turns the fuck up in the last eight games of the season and goes absolutely berserk and wins it for himself but I think that Kyler is riding off of that momentum and they look so so hard to beat with those big shining stars in Kyler and Hopkins on offense and the shining stars of J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, and Byron Murphy on the defense. Just I think that this is probably the team to beat right now in the NFL. Cardinals are number one in the NFL. Book it. So now I'm going to do my predictions for next week. A player to start this week, I think it's Damian Harris versus the Texans. I know that that's so hard coming off of two really, really shitty Damian Harris weeks, but the Texans have a horrific run game. It always seems that when the Patriots receiver is out and in the trash, that's when they really emerge from the rubbish, and that's when they start looking good. I think that the Texans is the perfect time for Damian Harris to really show himself and show the entire Patriots organization, I am your number one running back. I'm going to get it done so I'm very excited for him this week a guy that I think that you should sit this week is DK Metcalf against the LA Rams it's just the Jalen Ramsey effect whenever he goes up against a good receiver it really seems like he shuts him down week in week out he even did it last week against DeAndre Hopkins even though the Cardinals still handedly won by 17 or I think it was 14 17 something like that but he really locked up DeAndre Hopkins when it was necessary and I think DK Metcalf gets locked up just the same in a game that the Seahawks really need to win uh, under the lights Thursday night football DK Metcalf sit against the Rams a group that will disappoint this week this is something that I spoke of last week when I said the Chiefs really need to find their footing and really need to get this handed win where they really show like they're the better team. Last week, they only won by, I think, 12 against a team that I think that they could have and should have probably won by 20 or more. And that in the Philadelphia Eagles, they just look like the same Chiefs where they let them get a little bit close. It was in the game. At the end, Hurts had a lot of garbage time throws and touchdowns. And the Chiefs really need to have a handed win. And I think that they are going to disappoint in that next week. It is going to be a shootout against the Buffalo Bills. And not that I am predicting the Buffalo Bills to win. If I had to put money, I'd put the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Buffalo Bills are an offense where it's the exact same thing as the Chiefs. If the Chiefs really do have this bottom five defense, which it looks at this current moment, that they do, then what are they going to do when Josh Allen continues to put up the same points and Patrick Mahomes can only do it four out of five drives and then all of a sudden they're down and they're clawing. I just don't think that they're going to have a handed win. I think that they might still come out on top, but I would not be even confident to put any money on that game. And I'm nervous for them to show that they're that's they're still a Super Bowl favorite, especially if they come out against you know, one possession kick field goal to win the game game against Josh Allen then people are going to be like, Josh Allen looked fantastic. It's going to be such a shootout, yada, yada. So I think that they will disappoint in their ability to have a handed, emphatic win. A group that will shine, I think it's the Panthers' offense against the Eagles' defense. Uh, just the Panthers coming off of an L last week. Like I said, Sam Darnold really looked great, even in the L. Four total touchdowns, 300 yards. Looked unreal, and the Eagles' defense has really not been that good They've been better than expected, but still bottom half of the NFL for sure. And I really expect that DJ Moore continues to have an unreal amount of receptions. Robbie Anderson bursts back on the scene. I like Tommy Tremble this week, actually, on the Carolina Panthers. And Sam Darnold just continues to work off of what he's already made this season and continues to be really good. 
And then lastly, last but not least, of course not least, my three locks of the week. Just want to say last week, I went two and one. Sadly, I predicted the Saints to beat the Giants 30 to 20, and the Giants ended up taking that one on top. But the other ones were Bills and football team, which were correct. So currently, I sit at 10 and two on the season. My three locks of the week are Ravens beat the Colts 31 to 24. The Panthers beat the Eagles 40 to 28, and the Patriots beat the Texans 27 to 13. Those are my locks of the week, and that is my total recap of week four of the NFL season. So now I'm going to go back to another thing that I was just working on last week, and that is my breakouts at every position for the NBA. I already did the guards. I'm going to run through those really quickly just so that you guys get a recap, and then I'm going to do the forwards and the centers right after. So I'm going to do the point guards. It was Lonzo Ball, Darius Garland, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, Theo Maldon, uh, Malachi Flynn, and then for shooting guards, it was Lou Dort, Emmanuel Quickly, DeAnthony Melton, Jordan Poole, Grayson Allen, Terrence Mann. Now I'm going to hop right into small forward, get right into it, and with my number one, a guy that obviously I have a little bit of bias towards. I, I, I do feel bad that I have three Knicks on this list. You guys will get into it later, but this is a dude that I have been vouching that I really think that he is taking a Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram type jump in this year he's going to look unreal and that is rj barrett of the new york knicks originally from duke uh with what Tom Thibodeau was able to do last year with the players on the New York Knicks and really get the most out of them with his efficiency, with his amount of minutes, I really think that he's going to be taking a big step ahead this season. He has a lot less pressure on him just because of Kemba Walker, gonna, who's also going to just create more space for him and create more ability for him to take good shots, uh, to get under the basket and to attack the rim like he's so good at and to really improve his three-point shot. I'm really excited for what RJ Barrett is going to do this season. I think that he could easily become the 1B to Julius Randle's 1A at the end of the season. I do think that both of them are going to be better than Kemba Walker. But a lot of people are saying that the Knicks aren't going to go as far because they don't have that true superstar. But I think that with two really good stars in R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, I think that they could be in that conversation for sure. I'm really excited for an R.J. Barrett big breakout season. Number two is O.G. Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, a guy that I am so, so high on this year. I think that he's going to do fantastic. With the departure of Kyle Lowry, I think there's going to be a real need for somebody to take over on this team. I think that Fred Van Vliet's going to be that in the guard position, but I think that there's going to be a forward that's really going to take a big step as well. After what I saw to Pascal Siakam, I really don't think it's going to be him. And OG Ananobi, at his age, with his ability both on offense and on defense, especially on defense, what he's able to do, I think that he's going to take a huge step up this year. I think that the Raptors need him to, and he will really fill that role to a T and be a really great three on, on a team that really needs him to step up. I think that his defense is going to maintain to be really, really great and really underrated. I think that he's going to become a lot better on the offensive side. I think that a lot of uh, plays and stuff will be run in preparation for him to shoot the basketball, which is great for his progression, obviously. And I'm really excited for him to flourish even more this year. 
Number three, I've got DeAndre Hunter. It's a very crowded team in Atlanta, but I think that DeAndre Hunter and what he was able to show with his defensive side, especially as the whole team improves, everybody's kind of on the right direction upwards, trending upwards on that team. Uh, they are looking like they're good. I'll actually match number three with number four because they're both on the same team. Two guys, uh, it's DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, another guy on that team that I think is just going to get a lot of opportunities, whether it's off the bench or starting. I think that both honestly could come off the bench. I think Hunter will likely start at the three just because of where he was drafted and things like that. But I think that both are going to really show themselves this season that Cam Reddish is such a versatile scorer and is able to make his own shot and can ISO with the best of them. And DeAndre Hunter is one of the best 3 and D players in the NBA, period. I think that's so necessary when you have a big man who really can't shoot and can't create his own offensive possessions. John Collins, who's pretty eh at defense, not spectacular. And Trey Young, who's not good at defense, period. So I think that DeAndre Hunter is really going to be asked a lot, being asked to guard the one, the two on the, on any opposing team, especially when they make it deep in the playoffs, I think that's going to be his job, and he's going to step up to the challenge. So I think DeAndre Hunter will take a big step, and then Cam Radish off the bench, like I said, able to make his own shot. I'm really excited for him as well. Number five is Sadiq Bey of the Detroit Pistons, a guy who has the wet hand from the three-point line with Cade Cunningham getting there. Jeremy Grant looking to only improve, and another guy that I really think is going to take a big jump, but I'll get into him a little bit later. Um, the, the Pistons look to be a team that is going to be ferocious in the future. What I hope from this year is that they're still not great, land another really high draft pick type guy, but they can really show that with this youth and with this movement that they're currently going in... Uh, I mean, I'll say it, it's Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart is going to be a big three for the future, for sure. Sadiq Bey, fantastic at creating offensive possessions, really underrated at defense, and I'm very excited for what he's able to do on that Detroit Pistons team. And then number six is a guy that has kind of already broken out, and then not, and then has, and then not, and all this fluctuation in their career, but I think that with where they currently are, Kyle Kuzma is going to be really, really solid this season. I think that the Wizards are asking a lot out of him, just because they don't have Russell Westbrook, who's really going to take away a lot of that. I know they signed Spencer Dinwiddie, they obviously got also Montrez Harrell, Daniel Gafford, a lot of different guys on that team, uh, Denny Avdija, who hasn't really shown himself to be what his pick was, but I still think has a lot of potential. I just think that they're going to be asking a lot from Kyle Kuzma. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and I could really see him going for 16, 17 points and being what the Lakers had hoped he would have been when they had kept him rather than getting rid of all the other guys that were on their roster. They really saw something out of him, and I think that with the shining lights of LA, though he's so big in pop culture and he really embraced the LA life, I don't think that it paid out on the court a lot but now that he's in a smaller market he's able to just completely focus on basketball do what's needed to do and really have a great season this season next up at the power forward position i have got keldon johnson a member of team usa also a member of the san antonio spurs i probably should have mentioned that first but he is going to break the heck out i think he's better than dejounte murray and Derek white both other guys that i think are arguing or not arguing but really going against each other for touches and who's going to be the primary scorer on this team I think Keldon Johnson really is going to take over on this San Antonio Spurs team not that they're going to be good I think that they will probably be bottom three bottom four bottom five but with his ability with him getting mentored by the team USA guys I think that was such a big step for him I think that 
They're, they really have a need for a scorer, a DeMar DeRozan-type player. He knows how to get it done for three. He knows how to create his own shots. He's pretty solid on defense, and I really think that he's going to have a very good season this season. I, I know that I keep saying season this season, but that's really what it is, and I'm very excited for him to be a breakout. Number two, I've got Jaron Jackson Jr. This one's especially coming with the rise to stardom that John Morant is going to have. I think that he is going to just continue to get better. They lost Jonas Valanciunas, and that and those two things combined, I think, are going to make them a, de- a disgusting duo, John Morant and ja- Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's going to up his rebound numbers, up his, just turn into like a pure center, almost. I mean, I know that he plays the four, but I think that he really could run a lot at the five, great defensively, and I think will just do the things that Jonas Valanciunas did and really combine their two games and really just become so much better as a basketball player. I really hope that he's going to be a top 10 paint scorer in this season, and I think that that is definitely possible. And the Grizzlies will actually make some noise. I really like Kyle Anderson. I really like just a lot of guys on that roster that I feel confident that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be really, really great alongside John Morant and take some really big steps. Uh, number three, I've got Miles Bridges. I, I try to say it like the commentator. I know that was an awful impression. But that's just where I know Miles Bridges from. This man knows how to dunk like the rest of them. He's unbelievable in the paint and just attacking the basket. I think he also is really underrated as a playmaker at the four. And with the improvements all around him in LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, I think, will continue to get better. Gordon Hayward coming back from his injury. I think that he's primed for a big breakout. I like him a lot more than P.J. Washington, personally. I just think that he's a more all-around complete player, even though they have very similar statistics. I think that he's a better just complete big man and really just being the big guy. I'm really excited for what Miles Bridges is able to do. Number four, I've got Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks. What I was able to see in the summer league, it's the same mantra that I said about Tom Thibodeau. He really knows how to get the most out of his players, and it looked like Obi was headed in the right direction. I know that that's not the primary position that the Knicks would need right now is a four whose primary way of scoring is dunking and something like that. They'd probably rather a three and D type four, but I think that Obi Toppin can really take steps in that direction as well. I think that he either gets more efficient on threes or limits threes altogether, but I think that he's great offensively. If he takes big steps defensively, I think that he's primed for a very big season as well. Number five, I've got Rui Hachimura from Japan. Now on the Washington Wizards, a guy that's coming off of his injury last year, I think that he is primed for a very big season as well. I'm really excited for what he's able to do on the Washington Wizards team. It's the same situation as Kyle Kuzma, where they really need somebody to step up. Uh, Hachimura, with how young he is, with his potential that he had coming out of the draft, I think that he's able to really make his own shot, very underrated as a playmaker uh, at the four, and I could just see him becoming really, really good, or at least having immense improvement from where he was last year and where he was looking like what he would be on the Wizards. I think the Wizards overall are going to be a lot better than people are expecting, and people are expecting them to be like 11, 12, 13 seed, and I could see them either be playing 7th or 8th seed for sure if Bradley Beal continues to do what he's doing. I'm really excited for what Roy Hachimura is able to do. And then the last one in the power forwards is a guy, Syracuse alum, O'Shea Brissett on the Indiana Pacers, a guy that was signed around midway through the season who has really broken out as a scorer, has just a knack for getting the ball in the basket. And I think that that continues to be the same, especially when the Pacers are really looking for that guy, looking for an identity. They really always have been looking for a guy and looking for an identity. Their identity is basically 
win or be the five to nine seed, and that's about it, which is hilarious. But O'Shea Brissett either coming off of the bench with Sabonis starting at the four, or maybe even Sabonis starting at the five and then having him start, or Miles Turner would need to get in there somewhere as well. So I don't see him really having a starting role, but I could see him being the main bucket getter on the bench of the Indiana Pacers, who always just seem to do very, very solid. So I see him being a very good scorer and being very consistent for them as well. Now I'm going to get into the centers, the last position for my NBA breakouts. And at number one, I have Robert Williams, the Time Lord, the man in the paint for the Boston Celtics. I think that they are asking him so much this year and is going to step up to the occasion with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, obviously being the main beneficiaries on the offense. I think that they're really looking for a presence in the paint that is going to get the rebounds, that is going to be like a Clint Capella type guy. And I think that Robert Williams is exactly that. So great at shot blocking and interior defense, especially when they are now missing Kemba Walker. Not that he's going to be like playmaking or looking for like that Kemba Walker role. Obviously they're probably the most polar opposite people in the NBA, but it's just going to open up more opportunities. I think Dennis Schroeder is not the guy that's going to be taking touches away from Robert Williams, obviously. And if Robert Williams can improve offensively, he's already pretty elite defensively. So if he can take steps offensively, I think that he's primed for maybe even an all-star season. I would go as far as to say that. Uh, Number two, I've got Isaiah Stewart of the Detroit Pistons, a guy that I just said before, has great shooting splits, just really knows how to get the ball in the basket. Also a fantastic rebounder, especially with his size compared to other centers, just knows how to box out, is really good. And I say that him, uh, Sadiq Bey, and Cade Cunningham is going to be a trio for the future. All of them are so incredibly young. I think all of them are younger than 22. Just continue to get better. He was a steal in last year's draft, and I just think he continues to work off of what he was doing. Number three, this is Nicholas Claxton of the Brooklyn Nets. Another guy that's super young, very similar to Robert Williams on a team with a lot of star power, who just needs a defensive guy in the paint who can lock up, say that they go against the Philadelphia 76ers. If Nicholas Claxton can show his own against Joel Embiid, at least hold him to not having those MVP type numbers in that game. That's all they're really going to ask of him. He's obviously not going to be a beneficiary whatsoever on offense, just because they have so many scorers all around that team. But if they have that paint presence of a really great interior defender, I think that's going to benefit their off- their team so, so, so much and lead them to getting resounding victories rather than just coming out at the end because they have a really tough uh, time just guarding the big man. I mean, obviously Kevin Durant is big, but I don't think that he's able to go up against the really big bigs. And then their other two guys on the team are not fantastic at defense whatsoever. I mean, I think James Harden's a little bit underrated on the defensive end, but James Harden and Kyrie Irving obviously aren't showing their own on the defensive side. They have LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, just really old guys in the bigs who aren't being that physical presence that they need. And I think Nicholas Claxton will definitely take a jump and be exactly that. Number four, this one, less than I'm projecting that he's going to be so much better, more just that they need him to be, and that is James Wiseman of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, That wasn't so amazing in his rookie season, but I think really works off of what he needs to and just becomes a better pick and roller, becomes a better interior defender, and becomes exactly what the Warriors need, which is the exact same thing basically as Robert Williams and Nicholas Claxton, which is just a big defensive presence in the paint that allows Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to go to work and not have to worry so much about getting out-rebounded both offensively and defensively. I think that if he takes improvements in his rebounding and getting 
physical above smaller guys. I think that's a big thing that he really needs to improve on. If he could do that, then he's primed for a very big season. Number five, I have Xavier Tillman, the backup five on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, just another guy, super young last year, and I really liked what I saw out of him. Seemed to really be a draft steal for where he went. I think he was second round pick, I would like to say. Maybe very late first, but overall what he was able to do on that Grizzlies team, just like I said, the Grizzlies are just going to be picking, taking big steps as well. He's very good defensively, great rebounder, and I'm really excited for what I see out of him. And then last but not least, another Washington Wizard. I have so many Wizards in this list, I'm now realizing, but it is Daniel Gafford. It's just because they have so many really openings for somebody to come in and really take that big step. So if I throw all three in, one of them's bound to be right, Roy Hachimura. Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gafford. Gafford's obviously a great presence in the paint. I liked him a lot more in Chicago than I do now. And I was really priming him to be like almost on an all-star trajectory. I don't think that right now because he's on the Washington Wizards, but I still think that he will put up consistent minutes, put up really consistent stats, and have a very, very good season for the Washington Wizards. All right, and that is all I have today. So I'll actually run down my entire... Uh, small forward, power forward, center list, just so that you guys can hear it. R.J. Barrett, O.G. Ananobi, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Sadiq Bey, Kyle Kuzma, Keldon Johnson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Miles Bridges, Obi Toppin, Roy Hachimura, O'Shea Brissett, Robert Williams, Nicholas Claxton, Isaiah Stewart, James Wiseman, Xavier Tillman, and Daniel Gafford. That is my list. I hope that you guys like the NFL rundown. I hope that you guys like some of the NBA content, hopefully. I mean, I'm just as confident in my NBA takes as I am in my NFL takes, even though I like the NFL a lot more. I still pay attention to both immensely, and I hope to be right in as many different things as I can, obviously. So I'm very excited for what I'm able to see out of all these guys this year. Uh, that is really all I've got, though. So have a fantastic week. I'm still super busy. Syracuse is still so much fun. I'm still doing great. Please follow us on Instagram. I think that now I'm really just going to try to find some time in my busy schedule to start making more graphics, more ads, more TikToks. I know I consistently say that, but I'm so busy both as a college student dealing with this, dealing with clubs and different stuff. It's just a lot, but I am going to just continue to try to pump out so much content for you guys because I really love doing this so much. I love the NFL, love the NBA, and love you guys. Have an amazing week and peace.